You are listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth on sqpn.com. The battle for Middle-Earth is about to begin. Where do you travel to find Middle-Earth? This is not How can you fight the shadows of Angmar? created the dwarves. I thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. Why are elves immortal? You will linger on in darkness and in doubt. It's nightfall in winter that comes without a star. What is the ultimate evil of Sauron? Join me on a quest for answers through the books, the movies, and the games that tell us the legendary adventures of hobbits, dwarves, men, and elves in Tolkien's Middle-earth. Hello and welcome back to Middle-earth and the secrets of Middle-earth, another episode that is dedicated to uncovering the backstory, the history the culture of all the places uh, in Middle-earth that Tolkien describes in The Lord of the Rings. And as usual, we are recording this on location, and this time we are not far from where we ended our previous show, which was on Weathertop. Uh, we uh, traveled uh, a little bit to the southeast, and we're currently standing um, in, uh, in front of the Forsaken Inn. And I say we because I'm here with uh, Laura. Hi, Laura. Hello. And also standing next to me in a blue dress is Inge. Hello. Welcome to the show. And uh, well, we're we're in the lo- in the Lonelands, and we already uh, uh, described the area a little bit last time when we climbed Weathertop. Unfortunately, uh, we didn't come across any uh, uh, ring wraiths or uh, or trolls. Um, but we had a glorious uh, view of the surroundings here. This is a very ancient area. It's unfortunately that uh, we're here in the middle of the night, as you can hear the sounds of a lone owl. Uh, during the day, uh, this this area has a very distinct look because everything is kind of yellowish. Even the air is is kind of has a, this orange yellow color because of the I guess of the 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 dust and the the sand that's in the air. Uh, This always looks to me like a very barren, almost desert-like area. And uh, a a big difference with uh, the forests uh, on the east of this this region, just beyond the the, the bridge. We might actually travel there um, in this episode. And also a stark difference with uh, Breland, which is uh, to the west of where we are standing. Uh, where it's much uh, more lush, kind of, uh, I don't know, everything is green. Here, it's it's just very barren, and uh, the look of the Forsaken Inn matches the this, this barren landscape, because the Forsaken Inn itself is, uh, is also completely run down. It seems to be hit by some, I don't know if there was a fire or an attack. Uh, can 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 you tell me something about uh, this uh, this inn? Well, we don't know too much about it. The only sentence in the Fellowship of the Ring is that uh, the Forsaken Inn is a day's ride east of Bree. 
Um, otherwise, it's it's just conjecture what it looks like. You know, by the name, the Forsaken Inn, you can tell it's probably fallen on hard times. There's not as many travelers as there used to be. So I, I do think they should fix the giant hole in the roof, though. Yes, it's almost as if a meteor struck the, the building. <laughs> Although it is in use because uh, I can see some travelers... Uh, uh, stepping inside, and actually we can uh, we can walk up to the front door and uh, take a look inside and see if uh, if anyone's home. Yeah, I want to add something about uh, the landscape. Sure. If I ride here uh, during the daylight, it reminds me of uh, Italy during summer. The the trees are a little bit cypress trees. You're right. Yes, it definitely has uh, a bit of a the same look, uh, especially during high summertime when it's super hot and uh, there's not been rain for weeks. Definitely some areas in uh, in Italy look like this. Although, I don't know if they have any Italian food here in the Forsaken Inn. Let's, uh, let's go inside and see. Oh, wow. It's actually quite busy on the inside. I'm walking through a small corridor. It's very dark inside. There is uh, someone practicing uh, some uh, spells or I don't know what. Here is um, uh, the owner of... Uh, the f of this uh, forsaken inn, it's his name is Anlaf the Forlorn. He's the keeper of this uh, of this tavern, and uh, well, I guess he's just busy cleaning the counter. Some people are sitting at uh, uh, the tables, drinking some beer or Middle Middle Earth ale. And there are two fireplaces. Uh, here is uh, just a common fireplace, and the tables and chairs are kind of located around it. And uh, there is a minstrel playing his uh, his lute or guitar. And on the other side, near uh, Anlaf, the owner of the Forsaken Inn, there's a, a bigger fireplace, and this is actually also, uh, I think, a kitchen, because I can see some... Uh, some, I guess this is this boar meat that is uh, being roasted here. I see t two animals that look like pigs being yeah. roasted over the fire. I use cauldron with water, I think, in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, or it could be a soup or something like that, or perhaps just ingredients. Uh, the cook, however, is missing in action. So I don't know. He's uh, hunting, or just I don't know upstairs. <laughs> And um, so this is the, usually the place where people can gather before they uh, ad they venture further into the Lone Lands. Uh, that is what we're going to do here, despite the fact that it's uh, it's night, and so the Lone Lands might be dangerous because you never know who roams around in the wee small hours of the morning. But we still want to go and explore this region, in the area, and uh, and its history. And speaking of the history of the Lowlands, we already uh, touched upon this last time uh, we met here in Middle-earth. Uh, this area was is one of the three uh, big regions in Middle-earth that together in the past formed the, uh, the, the land of Arnor. Uh, this was a very ancient kingdom, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm saying, if, if I'm not, you know, I, I need to brush up on my Middle-earth history. But uh, there were, uh, at one point, there was a separation of, uh, of Arnor into three separate kingdoms. You had, uh, I think, Cardolan, 
and Rudar, which is where we are currently, the Lone Land, uh, but it also, I think, included the Trollshaws and, you know, the area uh, east of the last bridge, and Arthedane. And I think Arthedane is uh, what currently is Breland and the Shire, and uh, and I think that uh, Cardolan is the area south of uh, of this of the town of Bree, if I'm not mistaken. And so um, this area is, is very very large, uh, Rudar, and originally it means East Forest. And uh, that's kind of interesting because there's not much forest here, as, as I said before. It's uh, it just everything looks extremely barren, and even the hills in the distance uh, don't have much vegetation. But uh, I guess it could also uh, refer to um, well, to the Trollshaws because there are a lot of trees over there, and I think also north of uh, of this area, you you will find some ancient forests, uh, although it, it can be pretty dangerous over there. It seems like it has been uh, greener in the past because we, there are all uh, dry riverbeds and, and bridges over what used to be rivers or creeks. That's so possible, yeah. Yeah, the um, Rudar uh, includes the Trollshaws and actually uh, Weathertop was a point of contention between um, between Cardolan and, and Rudar because they, it's, it's sort of on the border, and so they both were claiming it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Arthedain even might have claimed it, too. So Really? Yeah. Well, we might uh, actually head east and uh, see if we can get to the Trollshaws and, uh, and just visit uh, the, the various areas here in, uh, in the Lowlands uh, and talk about the events that uh, took place here. So let's saddle up and call our horses and uh, get going. Here we go. On my horse and uh, you know I don't know exactly what time it is but uh, it might get light while we are traveling through the lowlands. I first want to go uh, let me look at my map here to the south. Um, here is a uh, an area that is surrounded by hills and mountains and I want to take a quick look at this area because it has a number of uh, runes of a city or perhaps it used to be an old castle called uh, Minas Ariel and um, so I'm heading into the, there's this path in between the hills and I can to be Min careful. Minas is a word that you see often, like Anuminas in uh, Evendim. Yeah, doesn't it mean so, hill? Or... I forgot. Laura, do you know what Minas means? It means tower. Oh, like tower! Um, uh, minus Tirith, or... Oh, there uh, you go. So, or minus Smorgul. Right. Get off my horse here. I'm standing in, in front of the... Uh, one of the entrance gates of this... Uh, uh, fortress. I guess it, it should have been a fortress because it's uh, th these walls are very thick. There's one entrance. There's a, a troll here on the right, and I think the whole place is in, or, or uh, not a troll, an orc. I think the whole place is infested by orcs. And uh, we're now walking through the first gate, and here's a second gate that we have to pass. And some more orcs are walking around here. And um, if I look to the right. 
um, I can see the remains of at least two towers and the whole building uh, looks like the remains of, uh, of what used to be a, a very big stronghold. Now this could be from the time of the uh, of, of these of these ancient kingdoms here. Um, the uh, the Dunedain, of course, uh, lived in lived in this area. But uh, at one point, uh, this the Lonelands were taken over by uh, tribes of of hillmen, um, and these hillmen were uh, more in line with uh, with Angmar, uh, so they were they were evil. Um, and it's not certain how much of the um, of Ru Rudor stayed in independent uh, politically, or whether the hillmen actually brought it under the rule of uh, of Sauron, or um, uh, or worse. Well, actually, is there anything worse than Sauron? <laughs> now that I mention it, <laughs> probably not. And um, so we we don't know exactly how old these runes are um, but we can tell that they are uh, uh, definitely uh, taken over by, by orcs and uh, down below there uh, there, are some, I, there are some old bridges here and um, I think they span what used to be probably water um, and if I'm not mistaken if you would go down there which we're not going to do that ancient riverbed, or I don't know if it was a natural river, or if if, if the water was part of the defense system of this uh, uh, of this fortress, um, but the place is now infested with spiders, huge poisonous spiders. So I don't know if we if we want to go there. I'm just going to go on my horse again, and what we can do is travel through uh, these runes and see if we can uh, find the exit. On the other side, uh, back to the Lone Lands, and I think it's possible to actually travel there. So, uh, yeah, you know, something that uh, just uh, occurred to me is that, um, you know, this whole uh, Middle Earth sort of has a, a medieval feeling to it, mm -hmm. and people in uh, medieval Britain would have had these. Roman ruins that they were sort of living in, um, sort of an echo of an ancient culture that was more uh, advanced than they were, you know, the incredible stonework that they uh, wouldn't not have been able to uh, reproduce until modern times. And so this is sort of that same feeling of, of living in these, among these ruins. You're right, yes. It, it, uh, and I think the orcs are, they don't really care where they live. As long as they can build their uh, uh, their settlements in in between the the ruins, and as long as they can use it as a as a defense, well, for, I, I guess they use it as a fortress as well, uh, but then more as a place to regroup and uh, and potentially attack from here uh, people in the area. Uh, I found a little bit of information about um, Minas Ariel uh, or Ariel. Um, this uh, is Sindarin for Lonely City, and it was once a majestic city of uh, Cardolan of this area, uh, but it has long since fallen to ruin and is now inhabited by servants of, uh, of the enemy, the goblins, orcs, vicious spiders, wargs. Um, the ruined fortress of Ostladen and the ancient tower of Barat 
Yachyant uh, uh, are both found inside Minas Ariel. So there should be an ancient tower here. That's what we just uh, crossed. That's with the. Is that the one in the middle? Crossroads. Oh, in the middle. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's the, definitely the, the tallest point here in the area. Um, and it looks a bit like a medieval defense tower now that. Because it's square, it's not round. Um, and, and usually on the inside, you would have rooms or um, places where you could. Uh, where you could also stay for a, for a while if the rest of the fortress would be attacked or uh, taken over even. And uh, Yeah, and if you'll notice on the side of the tower, it has those seven stars and then that that strange device that we saw before. It looks like, oh, yeah, you know, that, like a winged the, helmet with a sword coming down from it. Yes, indeed. The tower itself actually seems more intact than, than I first thought. Um, and you can see indeed the uh, the decoration on it, and on top of it, you even have these. Uh, how do you call these things? Um, like these square blocks, and you can just uh, aim at uh, at enemies from from within those uh, those blocks. What's the what's the technical term for that, Laura? You see what I mean? Yeah, I do, and I can't remember the, the okay. term for them. I know there's a word for it, but I just can't remember. Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, so, let's see. It doesn't come up in conversation that much. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Minas Ariel was once the sister city of Ostguruth. Um, and Ostguruth was uh, inhabited by the Aglane. Um, it was also... Known for the deadly spiders that inhabited the valley below the ruins. Um, and there are definitely s lots of big spiders here in this area, but also near Ostguruth. And um, it's guessed that Saruman's forces crossed the lone span, hugging the ridges of uh, the hills that surrounded Minas Ariel before um, attacking, I think, the... Uh, uh, the Fortress of Ostgoroth. Now, all this is, of course, um, it's kind of Middle-earth lore, but it's not really canon. It's not something that you will uh, hear about in Tolkien, uh, as far as I know. Or it might have been just perhaps a, a you know, a, a point on a map that he once drew or something like that. It's, uh, we don't know much uh, about this, uh, about this area from, uh, from Tolkien himself. The, the things that he talks about is the Forsaken Inn, and then, uh, of course, uh, Weathertop. And that's about it, I think. The, the, the last bridge, perhaps. Yeah, if you notice on the tower, too, there's those five statues. Um, and that looks like uh, Elendil, the, the same big statue that oh, you see yeah, up in, right. uh, in um, the Enuminous area. I just broke. <laughs> my leg <laughs> jumping off this uh, this construction here so yeah on the side uh, underneath the stars you have uh, five statues of what looks like warriors or or kings perhaps I don't know it could also symbol yeah I think that's Ellen Ellendil oh, who would okay. have been the first king of the northern kingdom hmm and then who are the other four 
they all look like the the same person to me, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's Isn't a. Isn't Ellen Dill also an ancestor of Aragorn? Or is that he is. Fly? Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. We're standing yeah. uh, near a fire here. Uh, in a, a circular place, and this this fire must have been started by orcs. So before they get back, let's head out of here. <laughs> and uh, we, I've now stepped out of the ruins. Yeah, go ahead, Laura. Yeah, the other thing that we know is that uh, these ruins are at least two thousand years old um, because the uh, these kingdoms fell um, about. I think it was about 1,500 years before, before the times that that we're exploring in. Wow! So, but they were built so well that uh, at least part of it is still standing after 2,000 years. It's quite impressive. I'm now um, riding my horse on uh, a ridge of one of the hills that stretches out to the east the southeastern part of the Lonelands, and from here you've got a nice view of the uh, of Weathertop, actually. I'll just drive right back here, and uh, right there in the distance is this towering hill, definitely the tallest hill in the area, and on top of it you see uh, the fortress itself. And uh, if you want to get up uh, all up close and personal, um, just listen to our previous episode, because we visited uh, this this important place uh, for the region, but also for the history of uh, of Middle Earth, and that was the place where one of the uh, uh, what's the word again? The, these these balls, these uh, eyes of well, that were used as the eye of Sauron. Palantir. The Palantirs were uh, was kept, but of course, of course, the whole place is now in ruins. No sign of hobbits either, because that was the place where they were. Uh, starting their little campfire, much to the dismay of Frodo, was like, put out that fire! And that attacked at the uh, ring wraiths. Now, uh, we are uh, stumbling upon another set of runes here, the Lone Span, I don't know L what that Lorn means. Span. Or Lorn Span. And uh, I'm now crossing a bridge and riding between two rocky hills. And here's the entrance to another fortress, or perhaps it's part of the same city, I don't know. Uh, and to Dower... This is Mithranost. And two Dowerhand dwarves are standing on either side of the entrance. Uh, these are not friendly dwarves. Again, basically dwarves that uh, collaborated with uh, Angmar. And... Um yeah, and the word Ost means city. So whenever you oh, see okay. that, you know, like Fornost means northern city, or Ostgoroth is city of Goroth, which I don't know what Goroth means, but, um, and this is Mithranost, so this is city of Mithran. Mithran itself sounds, is that, would that be elvish, or is it, is it more dwarfish? Yeah, these are, these are all Sindarin names, Ost is Sindarin, and Minas is Sindarin, the, the, uh, the uh, the Dunedain used uh, Sindarin as kind of their official language. It wasn't until later that they that they started using just common um, Westron or or what's English in the books and and in the game. Hmm. In in Sindarin, uh, Mithranos actually means the gray city. Uh, oh so yes, Mithrin's like Mithrander. Yeah. yeah. There you go. 
Uh, it used to be one of the strongest fortresses of the North Kingdom in the days past. Now it is uh, nothing but a hiding hole for dwarf brigands in the service of Skorgrim Dowerhand. So Skorgrim Dowerhand is, is another evil dwarven leader. And, uh... Yeah, that's definitely not someone I, I'd like to meet. Ooh, look at the skies here. It's... Ugh. Almost looks like uh, we're getting a thunderstorm. The, the the colors of the area are almost greenish. Tornado weather. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we might be safe if we just move on a little bit, head out of this area. Sometimes I've I've got the feeling that uh, the more evil a place is, the we the worse the weather gets. <laughs> just the evil in the air literally influences the weather. Uh, here's some more uh, Dowerhand Dwarfs camping out among the runes. Remember when we were in Angmar, that what you say, just said that it's, it's, uh, the color disappears. If you are in Ang Angmar, everything seems to be very washed out. And, yes. Yeah. Very gloomy. We're uh, out in the open again. And still uh, riding here in the south southern part of uh, of the lone lands and uh, here is another r a set of runes um this time this is ost cern and uh this place is infested with orcs and uh, uh orc warriors these orcs are are uh, are kind of there are two types of orcs roaming around here in these runes. Uh, one type is very slender. Here, you hear them? They're creepy. Uh, you've got very slender, very fast orcs, and usually they uh, they attack you with their uh, bow and arrow. And the other orc that you hear talking here is uh, very muscular, very heavy, uh, and they usually uh, just use a sword or a or a piece of wood or something like that, and they'll just knock you down. They're extremely aggressive and violent, but not very fast. <laughs> so you can sometimes outrun them. And uh, I'm I'm now on the on top of this uh, of this rune again. It's uh, it's probably been part of a a, a set of um, towers or a circular outlook post or something like that. From here, you can see. A lot of the area, and so uh, I don't know. Perhaps in in ancient times, this was just a, a nice place to kind of sit for breakfast and have a nice view of the surroundings. But I can also imagine that this uh, these circular uh, half towers are great to be able to uh, uh, to scout the area and uh, and see if uh, there are any enemy armies approaching. And if you look north, then she Oscurus already. Well, I wonder if that's Ostguruth or uh, the other castle that is kind of halfway between uh, Weathertop and Ostguruth. I think Ostguruth is even more to the east. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Ostguruth. Well, let me take a look at my map and see. Looks like it. I think this is Nain Enid. Or, or would that's this be. The, that's the region. Oh, wait a second. Okay. And you're sure it's not. What's the word? Amon Ross. Amon oh, that's Ross? a little bit west of Oscurus. That that's where west? all the spiders okay. are. Yeah. 
I thought we were looking at that, but you, you might be right. I don't recognize it when I'm so far away from it, because usually I'm I'm much closer when I travel. Uh, this this place where we we are now, Ostern, uh, once stood vigil against the hillmen of of Rudaur and the Angmarin of the north. Now orcs used the ruined fortress to lay siege to the barren lonelands. So yes, again, it's uh, when the hillmen attacked from the north. Uh, this was one of the strongholds of the, I guess, the Dunedain. Um, but unfortunately, they lost uh, the battle. And now the place is evil. And my horse doesn't like it here, so... Let's travel to Ostguruth. Which is, I think, the biggest stronghold, the biggest fortress. At least that's the fortress that still looks intact more or less, and uh, I think that the place is now used by rangers. But I'm not sure, is this the same kind of people that live in uh, in, uh, in Evendim? Or is this a different type of uh, people that live here? Yeah, they are called the Eklan, but I think they are a kind of hillman. Okay. But well, I'm not sure I don't if they think are so, but books. Because the hillman... Yeah, they're uh, more indigenous people. Uh, they're not the they're not the Dunedain. They're not the Northerners. Um, There's kind of a scattered people who don't really have a lot of fixed settlements. But they would actually be the same people uh, as live in Bree. Um, oh, okay. Just the, the native hill people. Yes. So just just a little less civilized than the than the Bree folk. Right. So. The moon is still uh, shining brightly in the sky, uh, although I can see a little bit of red light at the horizon, so that might be an indication that it's uh, it's getting lighter uh, and that dawn is uh, is upon us. And again, all these uh, fortresses are built uh, on top of hills uh, for, of course, uh, obvious uh, tactical purposes. And uh, this one, uh, this fortress looks very symmetrical. That's what I like about it. Um, and there is a big tower in the center. And that tower, too, has kind of position as uh, the towers that we saw earlier on. Um, you can see these um, warrior-like figures in, um, uh, in, in uh, carved out in, in, in the stone. And underneath, I'm trying to get closer, but I can't really tell. Something that looks like a crown, almost. Uh, let me see if I can get any closer there. I wonder what that is. It looks like towers, or perhaps... I don't know, I can't get close enough to see the what the emblem means. Oh, wait a second, here's another one that is exactly the same. Uh, let's look up the... Kind of reminds me of a of a crown, but yeah, it's hard to tell. Hard to tell. Now let's uh, let's talk a bit about Ostguruth itself. Again, this is uh, a stronghold that is not part of the official stories by Tolkien, but it's uh, it's just part of all these uh, places that you that that you know might be part of the of the Lone Lands. Uh, it, it, it was a stronghold of the Northern Kingdom in the days of the Witch Realm of Angmar. Now it serves as a temporary home of the Forsaken, 
the runehold of the Aglane. So the Forsaken, I guess, the Forsaken are the are the people that live here. Which, now that I think of it, might actually also be the reason for the name of the Forsaken Inn. That might not be because the inn is forsaken, but because it's ran by the people that live here that are called the Forsaken. <laughs> and, uh, of course, everybody here is, uh, is very much, uh, uh, how do you say that, uh, tense about the situation. Uh, you, you can get attacked here all the time. And, uh, here's a guy called Frederick... Frederick the, uh, what is his name again? Frederick the, the old or... The, the elder. The elder. The, uh, Frederick the elder. And um, he seems to be the uh, the mayor of this place. <laughs> or at least the sheriff or something. And um, in the back of this uh, fortress... So we're... Uh, we're riding across the, the courtyard. Uh, there's another tower or part of a tower. You can hear the wooden doors... And this is a place where I first met with someone who looked exactly like uh, uh, like Gandalf. Um, and let's see if he's there. We're inside a tower, and here on the uh, ground level, uh, there are some uh, uh, some wooden boxes and uh, an old ca an old cabinet closet or something like that, and even a a, a seat. Like a, a bench you can sit on and uh, a, f a fire pot, I guess. Um, and there's a circular stair that goes to whatever room is up here in the tower. And standing here behind a table and in front of a lot of bookshelves is Radagast the Brown. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, Laura, you, you have some stories to tell about Radagast the Brown. Who is he? He looks exactly like Gandalf. A white beard and uh, uh, his his wardrobe seems to be a lot fancier than uh, Gandalf's wardrobe. He has a kind of this, this leather... I don't know what it is. looks like a, a headpiece and then um, some uh, purple robes. Purple and brown robes. Yeah, he's he's the brown. So he's one of the wizards. He's one of the, uh, the five wizards of whom we know... Uh, Gandalf and Saruman and Radagast and then there's two other wizards we don't know much about but uh, but he's the brown and he's the wizard who uh, basically deals with animals he's uh, he can order animals around and uh, uh, for instance he's the one who sent the eagle to look after uh, Gandalf when he was stuck on Saruman's tower oh really so, so it was Radagast mm -hmm. so the 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 uh, the moth flew to Radagast. Well, there's no moth in the book. It's oh, just okay. the eagle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just the eagle comes. But uh, yeah, even in the movie, it would have been Radagast who would have sent, or at least let all the flying uh, animals know to look for Gandalf. So he's he's really a um, a really good friends with all the animals, and and we see him uh, quite a bit in the Hobbit. In the book *The Hobbit*, so he'll be in the the upcoming *Hobbit* movies when they come out. So he's not as much in *The Lord of the Rings*, but he does make an appearance there too. Oh, nice. Could you say that he's kind of the Middle Earth version of Saint Francis of Assisi? 
It goes a full bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, of course, I'd, I don't think Saint Francis of Assisi had <clears throat> quite the magical powers that Radagast had. But no, but if but I hear yeah. you, if I hear you <laughs> talking about his love for animals, of course, his feast day of Saint Francis, fourth um, of October. At least here in Europe, it's an animal day, so that's where you ah, give your yes. animal an extra treat. <clears throat> so that's why I yeah. made a connection, animals sure. to Francis. And a lot of us have St. Francis statues in our gardens um, with birds perching on his shoulders and little squirrels around his feet. So, yeah, I guess you could say that. He's like the St. Francis of, of Middle Earth. <laughs> On the table, you can see some books, and one of the books is open, and it shows a, a picture, a black and white picture of of a forest, of some trees. So uh, I guess that's uh, he's he's just brushing up on his uh, on his biology, I guess. <laughs> Or it could be Mirkwood, because uh, Radagaster Brown used to live in the western part of Mirkwood. Okay. So um, yeah, that might be just. I can I can see material. that uh, that he doesn't live there anymore because it's not the green greenwood the great uh, like it used to be. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, he's known to to have having lived uh, in that part. So now the uh, both Gandalf and Radagast are um, are part of uh, these Ainur, right? The 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 holy ones. Um, and, uh, and not just the, 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 the two good wizards, uh, Radagast and Gandalf, but also Saruman, and even and Sauron. And, and the Balrog, too? Yeah. Is the yeah, Balrog like... Tell me about the Balrog. Is that, I thought it was just a creature, just some, some, some kind of a huge monster, more akin to dragons than anything else. But uh, So the Balrog is actually some kind of perverted uh, Gandalf-type wizard? Well, the the Maiar are divine beings. Um, the the wizards were actually chosen from among the uh, the Maiar uh, by the the Valar, who, if you remember, are the more godlike creatures. Mm -hmm. They're they're a little higher in the echelon of things. So uh, five of the Maiar were chosen to be wizards, um, and Balrogs are also Maiar. They, uh, they're beings that existed before Middle-earth was created, and, and that's what makes them so powerful. That's why it was only Gandalf who could stand up to that Balrog. Uh, really, nobody else would be able to, um, because they're, they're both Maiar. They're kind of cousins? Well, I don't know if they're really related. It, it, it'd be they're the same class of beings. Like they'd all be, if they were, you know, they're all angels. They're all divine beings. But as far as being related, I don't know if they're really related. There's different types of Maiar. So the Balrog would be um, like a Maiar of fire, for instance. Um, so not sure, not sure how related they are. But but they were perverted by Morgoth. Um, Back, uh, back even before the first age. And does this have to do the the difference between these Maiar with the uh, the whole, well, let's say let's call it the the theology of creation, uh, where all these Maiar had a different role in the in the basically helping uh, with creation, with the kind of the how do you say that the organization of creation? Yeah, uh, what. Uh Iluvatar did, and Iluvatar is the one mm -hmm. uh, who who 
That's really the kind of the, yeah. He's he's like the the god of Middle Earth. Yes, yes. Um, he sent down this theme for the Ainur to uh, to sing. Basically, he 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 thought of the song, sort of wrote the sheet music for it, as it were, mm-hmm. and then had the Ainur sort of take it and and run with it. And the song is what becomes Middle Earth. So yeah, Iluvatar created these Ainur to help him, uh, to help him flesh out Middle Earth. But the but the people, the the elves and men and hobbits and dwarves, they weren't part of the song. That's something that, except in the case of the dwarves, that Iluvatar did himself. So and the dwarves were actually created by one of the Valar. Yes, and I think we've we've talked about we that talked before. about that. Yes. Yeah. But I like this whole idea of um, uh, Eru not creating everything, not doing everything by himself, but immediately involving other creatures because, uh, you know, the, the Ainur, even though they uh, were, were very high, how do you say that, like uh, very, very perfect uh, creations in a way, um, they were still creatures. They were not like semi-gods or, or demigods uh, like in, in mythology. Yeah, I, I think uh, you could relate them to maybe like archangels, right? So, right. Although they do have some characteristics, like, like for instance, the Greek gods. You know, they've got different personalities, and they different ones seem to be in charge of different things. But, but Eru is the one who created everything. But what I like about this whole theology of creation and that Tolkien uh, wrote for Middle Earth is that uh, Eru. Act- actively involves these creatures into the process of creation, and and, and to me the, the 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 creativity, even the the cultural creativity that you see uh, with the elves and uh, also with the hobbits, and you know even even perhaps the cooking skills of the hobbits and their love for food, it's it's all a reflection of the of the fact that um, uh, as as individuals they. Are participating in this in this work of creation that didn't stop at the beginning of the creation of Middle Earth, but just uh, continues. Um, and, and in that respect, I think that uh, the world that Tolkien uh, created, the, this imaginary world, is is a beautiful uh, reflection of our own world, in which we are too. Uh, uh, whenever we do something creative, we're basically co-creating with God, or we're we doing that because you know we we have in us this kind of image of God himself who cannot stop himself from creating and from expressing his love and, and when we do something uh, when we create something it's it's kind of part of that and in Tolkien's whole concept of especially the creation uh, uh, being made as, as a as a piece of music almost like a symphony uh, it, 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 it I think it's a beautiful metaphor of um, of this collaboration between Eru and and his creatures in in this process in this ongoing process of creation because it's he describes the um, Tolkien uh, describes the uh, Einar as having each their own kind of melody but together it forms a harmony and the moment that things go wrong like with uh, well Sauron and uh, the creation of the dwarves is basically uh, cr- that that establishes a disharmony, and so uh, the music is still there. It's just not as nice anymore. Yeah, actually, what happened is Morgoth, if you remember, was kind of the first age, 
Sauron. And Sauron is actually was actually a uh, a Maiar too, and he was the uh, the servant of Morgoth. Morgoth was a, a Valar, mm-hmm. um, and Morgoth came in and introduced disharmony in the music. And so, so what happens is Mor- Morgoth is there singing his own kind of brash song that's out of tune. Um, but in the very end, the the music, even the disharmony, comes together with the harmony to create something that's really wonderful. So in the end, even even the power of Morgoth cannot overcome um, the will of Eru Iluvatar. Right. Uh, could you say that, uh, for example, you said that every Maya serves a particular Vala. So that, could you say that they are kind of mentors to the to the um, Maya, those Vala? Yes, I'd I'd say in a in a way. Um, I'm not sure that every Maya follows a certain Valar, but that's that's probably true of the examples I can think of. Um, and. Uh, uh, so, for instance, Gandalf had a mentor, Nienna, um, who's one of the who's one of the Valar. Um, yeah, you you could say that. And each each of these wizards now, um, although they're still uh, Maiar, they've been connected to bodies, so they can't just leave their bodies. And so, for instance, when Gandalf dies, a bit of a spoiler alert here, but when he dies. Um, fighting the Balrog, he he really does die, yeah, and he has to be sent back um, in with with a new body. And that's so. why he's the white and not no longer the gray. Exactly. Yes. Oh, it's so interesting because both the Balrog and uh, Gandalf are Maiar, but only Gandalf returned. So I don't know if that's uh, who decides that, but yeah. Yeah, the 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 one who decides that is probably Manwe, who's who's the leader of the Valar, and uh, you know if, if you if you're even the elves, if if you were a good person, and uh, you know you could get a second chance, you, you could be uh, basically re-embodied and sent back to Middle Earth, and uh, they the Valar determined that Gandalf's uh, mission wasn't over yet and that's why they sent him back to middle earth um but i guess they didn't see a need to send the balrog back <laughs> so is that also the same thing that happened to glorfindel because he yes. died and also was sent back yeah it's it, it's the same thing and the all the elves actually had a chance to be to be re-embodied if if they deserved it basically you know so, some of them like um Feanor, who's the one who created the Silmarils, um, and was full of pride, and and uh, he 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 won't be sent back. But uh, someone like Glorfindel, who actually, interestingly enough, died fighting a Balrog hmm. um, in hmm. in the fall of um, Gondolin in the First Age, he he was sent back. Wow. Okay, well, let's leave uh, Radagast the Brown to his. Uh to his uh, affairs. I, I bet you he's busy. <laughs> kind of keeping things in uh, under control. And uh, we might come across him later on in, in, in one of our future visits to Middle-earth again. And what do you know? Stepping outside and uh, dawn is breaking. The sky has a nice purple color. 
And I think that uh, we can step on our horses again. And travel even more eastwards. And uh, if I'm not mistaken here, uh, east of uh, Ostguruth, we can visit a very scary area, Haragmar. And, uh, well, you can hear it. It's uh, we're, we're I'm going down the hill towards what looks like a, a swamp or marshes. And the earth here is... Uh, is very red. Uh, I guess there must be a lot of iron in the uh, in in the in the ground or something like that. But it's it's extremely. It looks like blood. Even the water uh, has this red color. And there are a couple of pools here uh, with some nasty creatures lurking around here. I can see some uh, insect-like norbog norbogs or. What's their name again? Nerbig. Nor, Nerbig or Norbogs. And, uh, and even... Ew. Even some... Uh, uh, some spirits. And this is called the Circle of Blood. Well... This red area. So exactly I, I hope it. it isn't actually blood. I hope it's just no, I some, guess it's... some iron in the soil, like you said. I think so. That must be it. And but, I think uh, the spirits we see are... Um, is, uh, servants of Gauntman, so they are bodies who are people who died but were yeah re reanimated again. Well, or this could be—I'm not sure if it, if this is a, right, like reanimated bodies, or whether this is more akin to the uh, the spirits that we saw in um, the Return of the King. You know, the, the yeah, the, or the, like the, the Barrowweights. Yeah. So they, 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 they just haven't fulfilled their mission yet. They still have some uh, affairs to uh, uh, to attend to before they can go to their eternal rest. Um, if we head up north, there is a small passage in between two uh, parts of the mountain here. We are entering Agamar. And this is a, is a pretty vast area. Very, it's very misty here, and everything has this eerie reddish color. This place is infested with whites, and uh, fortunately, there's a small stronghold here, as a settlement. Um, and this must have been part of Ostguruth, or at least part of the uh, buildings uh, surrounding the fortress. Um, so there are some some rangers here. Um, defending the uh, the exit north, but if we venture even more north, we uh, we pass by some beautiful runes. I have to say that, uh, despite the fact that this place is infested with whites and, and 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 just all sorts of nasty creatures, the 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 fortress itself must have been beautiful because if you look at this this gate here with this very ornate uh, fence or whatever it is, it looks very elegant. It's just that there are a couple of zombies standing there <laughs> that makes the place a little less hospitable. But uh, uh, what, I, what I wanted to do is to visit this northern part. This is so um, northeast of, uh, of Ostguruth. And, um, well, we were talking about the, the forest um, that was part of, uh, of this area. 
Well, I, I think that this is... We can see some remains of the forest here. There are some very ancient trees here. Oak trees, and some of them are even walking around, like this one, who is trying to hit Laura. <laughs> I guess these, these walking trees are part of the... Um, are we are we gonna attack it? Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, it's actually Let's it. Let's retire this tree. There you go. Ah! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there's some. There's some living, some roots still attacking us. There you go. Now we're we can walk walk around in peace. I want. I was wondering if these walking trees are perhaps uh, uh, some somewhat related to the ants, or is this just part of the of this whole idea that that nature itself uh, is is animated, has a soul, uh, that every creature, in a certain way, um, is is a living creature, and, and trees also have a personality in in Tolkien's Middle Earth. Well, these would be. Uh they probably are somewhat related to Ents. They're the like Old Man Willow, or like the um, oh those the trees that the Ents um, are shepherds of. Oh, that might be it. Yes, yeah. the horns. Yeah, more more like that. More like the the bad the bad ones. They're they're not quite as mobile as Ents. You know, they don't they don't walk around all the time. But I guess if they're if they if they see somebody. You know they want to step on like me though. And isn't there <laughs> isn't there a part of the story I, I forget if it was in the Lord of the Rings or in the Hobbit where uh, they walk through this very evil forest and there is also kind of a warning yeah. that they might isn't get that attacked. Wood? Where they walk through and then they get ca ca uh, caught by spiders. No, it was something earlier. It's it's uh, it's early in one of the stories. I forgot which one it's, it was. It's in the that's in the Fellowship of the Ring where they oh, walk through yeah. the old forest. I guess it's and a they part. Meet old Man Willow and the trees. There you go. The trees are sort of throwing branches at them and stuff. That's that's probably <laughs> the kind of forest that uh, that we see here as well. Well, let's get out of here and uh, before we get attacked even more. And uh, I always have to try to find my orientation again. It's very foggy in here. Yeah, as long as we keep going south again. Oh, there's the there's the exit. Let's head back into the the daylight. I think the emblems that you talked about is also it's also on top of these gates. I think mm. they are from Rudaur. They're em emblems for the kingdom of Rudaur. Like uh, Cardinal had the seven stars, mm -hmm. and this and this is the the crowns with. Also with a sword. Okay. That's very well possible. Let's head back to the Circle of Blood. And from there, we'll, uh, we'll not visit the, um, the marshes uh, south of Ostguruth. Uh, because, uh, well, again, it's a dangerous place and there are some nasty, overweight trolls waiting for us lurking in the darkness of the forest there. <laughs> uh, but let's avoid that region and instead end our uh, visit of this area by going to the last bridge which marks the entrance to the Trollshaws. And the last bridge is also uh, a location 
that we know from uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's interesting, by the way, uh, some poor travelers are being attacked by uh, some of these bog creatures. Um, it's interesting that this whole idea of the, the at least uh, Radagast of Brown being so close to nature and uh, being able to talk to animals, uh, that also seems to be part of of their magical skills in a way. Um, because the wizards in The Lord of the Rings, the wizards in Middle-earth are very different from the wizards that we know from, well, fairy tales or uh, perhaps even a saga like uh, Harry Potter. Uh, Inge, what are, the, what are a few of the differences? When it comes well, to these I, wizards, I have to—I have to admit, I haven't read Harry Potter or haven't. Okay, well, but movies. but in Harry but, Potter, uh, it's uh, like the I, wizards are really doing, you know, magic, and it's uh, yeah, well, a lot of it, swinging their uh, wands and casting exactly. firebolts. If, if you see uh, movies with wizards in them, then um, there's always, uh, yeah, thunderbolts uh, coming from their hands or crackling fire, and um, in in Middle Earth, not so much. Uh, I, I can imagine that if you want to make it into a movie that um, the way wizardry works in, in Middle-earth, magic works, it's not very um, handy to portray because uh, basically what wizards do is, uh, for example, if two wizards would fight, they would kind of sing to each other because it's kind of vary with language. Really? And well, we see a little bit, a bit of that in the way that Peter Jackson depicted the fight between Gandalf and Saruman. Yes, where exactly. It's a lot of kind of these shock waves almost. Uh, this inv this, these invisible, I don't know, as if they're kind of uh, manipulating uh, wind and that sort of stuff. Yeah, at least example, Saruman. A very famous example uh, what of wizardry is um, when Gandalf uh, puts his staff on the floor. And says, Don't, "You sh shall not pass." Mm -hmm. And then that's he, he's basically saying a spell uh, when what which makes that that the, the Balrog cannot pass. And you, when he says that, then you have those shock waves coming from the place where he puts his staff on the floor, and then yeah, it p puts up a, a barrier. So he, mm -hmm. the, it is just the power of words, right? And yeah, yeah. words. Yeah, there's songs. A, there's a lot of. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah, there's, I was just going to say, there's a lot of power in words, and, and Tolkien puts that in a lot of his his fights. For instance, Frodo saying the name of Elbereth on top of Weathertop um, was a powerful thing for him to say, and probably why the, the, um, the Nazgul wasn't able to kill him. And also when Gandalf says to the Balrog, you know, I am, I am the, uh, the servant of the secret fire. Um, that's also a, a sort of a, a war with words. So in Tolkien, words are very powerful. Indeed. And uh, so it's less Harry Potter magic, and it's more poetic magic in a way. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you think about it, if any power that creatures have, even the Ainur in, in Middle-earth, it must be power that is given to them by the, the you know, the god of Middle-earth. And uh, if, if that God, if everything that he creates and makes happen, if, if that is with, with songs and with melody and with uh, 
well, basically words, words yeah. um, then, then it makes sense that the magic itself in Middle-earth is also, or at least that any power that a wizard might have is, is also re related to the same process. It's, it's, it's words, it's songs. And that is what creates things, that creates events or manipulates events. And when, when I think about uh, Gandalf and Radagast and all the other wizards, it screams all over uh, Odin, Woden in my head because... If mm -hmm. you if if you read read um, Norse mythology and you read about Odin, mm -hmm. when he um, comes um, uh, among people, he's always this wanderer with a brimmed hat over uh, over his face because he only has one eye, so you can see he has a tall spear mm -hmm. and he has a, a long white robes and um, so and long white beard. So it's, it's when you read about um, um, Odin. Then it, it the, the picture of a wizard comes into mind. It's uh, yeah, it's very very powerful. And I think uh, wizards like Merlin in the in his, mm -hmm. uh, Arthurian legends are also a little bit modeled after Odin. It's an Odin. It's not a one one to one comparison, but it's mm -hmm. more yeah. It's kind of the the archetype of the wizard. Also the story of Odin hanging upside down in a tree because he wanted to learn more wizardry and became become more powerful. And there were runes uh, uh, under the tree, and the tree was Yggdrasil, so that's kind of the world world tree. And by hanging upside down, he kind of yeah um, showed that he was worth it, and then he could have access to those runes, so those words. And in that way, he could uh, learn uh, a number of spells uh, he couldn't learn before. Hmm. That kind of stories, yeah, for me, echo a lot of the of the stories. Uh, for other people tell, uh, uh, like uh, talking about wizards. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we've we've come to the end of our visit of the Lone Lands, and we're standing on uh, the bridge, the last bridge. Um, re remind me again what the last bridge, uh, is, uh, what that was, what what happened here. Well, uh, when uh, the Fellowship was heading towards Rivendell, and remember Frodo was already injured, uh, they were afraid that the the Ring Race were after them. And when they got to the last bridge, they they crossed it. In the middle of it, they found a green elf stone, a barrel. And that's, uh, Glorfindel had put that there, uh, I don't a couple days previously, to say that when he crossed the bridge, he had found no ring race there. And he put it in as a token that uh, that they would be able to pass and also that a friend had been, had been by. But uh, I don't think, Aragorn doesn't, know exactly what to make of it but it but he takes it as a token that the the bridge is is okay to pass okay well and then we will pass this bridge in a future episode uh when we venture into the troll shaws and then ultimately we'll uh we'll, we'll arrive in a, and we visit that area before um it's it's the area of of, of uh uh the, the misty mountains and uh well it's uh, it's basically the, the the higher part of, of Middle Earth where it's very cold and where it's always snowing. Um, so I don't know exactly if we're... Uh, did we already visit Trollshaws? I can't remember. Uh, no, we, we went to Rivendell, but we didn't okay, go to well. the wilds around... We, we might visit the trolls, Bilbo's trolls. We could yeah, do that. We yeah, we see his trolls. We could go and look for the for Bilbo's trolls and do a little hobbit excursion but perhaps uh, uh, that will be um, I don't know in a, in a couple of episodes from now uh, what I would like to do is also head back to uh, the Shire perhaps and 
visit some uh, some of our good friends that are also involved in the exploration of Middle Earth and uh, talk with them about uh, the various aspect, aspects of of Tolkien's lore and um, and Tolkien's stories. Um, but who we're going to talk to, who we are going to meet in these future episodes will still remain a mystery. For now, I think uh, we can just uh, say goodbye and uh, thank you for listening to our show. You can also uh, find previous and future episodes on our website and that would be middleearth.sqpn.com or just go to the website of the StarQuest uh, production network, the main website, which is sqpn.com if you want to check out more show like more shows like this one I regret to announce this is the end I'm going now I bid you all a very fond farewell Bye. SQPN leading the way in Catholic new media